Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast. I have uh, David Selman. He's uh, part of Savvy Organics Farm. Uh, we're going to talk about his farm, his YouTube channel, homesteading, the produce they make, etc. So welcome and thanks for coming, David. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. If you would, tell me a bit about your background and how you got into uh, homesteading in the first place. How we got into homesteading. Well, keeping a long story short, I guess uh, my wife and I both have experienced over the years some health issues from time to time and have gained a a fairly large distrust of modern medicine and the commercial medical systems that are out there, uh, realizing that most of our, our medical professionals are not trained in, in uh, diet and the use of, of herbs as medicine and food as medicine and those kind of things. So uh, we began trying to learn more and more about um, how to heal ourselves, how to stay nice and healthy without breaking the bank using modern medicine. And when did uh, homesteading enter the picture? Like, what What was the evolution of this? Your health issues, did you try to modify diet first, or like how did you come to the homesteading answer? Well, the homesteading and lifestyle that we've chosen has developed over time. We started probably around 2015 getting uh, just involved in and looking at and watching some different uh, YouTube channels that really, really hit home with us. There were a lot of documentaries out there on Netflix about health and nutrition and some of those things that, that we, we watched a lot. And then we've gone to Homesteaders of America conference several times and the Homesteading Lifestyle or Homesteading Life conference, I think seven times now. And uh, every time we go to one of these, it's just more and more information and just how to live a better lifestyle, a regenerative lifestyle, a lifestyle that's healthy and not dependent on the global food system, the global medical systems, and really has encouraged us greatly to to move away from those as far as possible. Well, how did you start out? Well, what was like some of the first things that you decided to grow? We've been gardeners, avid gardeners, pretty much since we've been married. And over, you know, they've grown over the years. So, you know, in the little houses that we've had in the past, we had, we always had a little backyard garden that was mostly for, for fun and relaxation and to, to grow a few vegetables and things on our own. But over time, both through research and the conferences we go to and the some of the other YouTube channels we watch, we've really gained a lot of insight into how depleted the commercial food system soils are. And so a lot of those foods have lost a lot of nutrient value. And then when you do go to a grocery store, you have to be super careful about the things you buy because they're often, you know, contain a lot of ingredients that, that humans really shouldn't be having. So yeah, we just uh, continue to grow and develop our gardens and our our permaculture systems. Um, today, we have our kitchen garden, which is uh, 20 feet by about 60 feet. It grows primarily a lot of the food and medicinal herbs that my wife and I use. And then we have, we live on five acres. And then the acre next to our home is largely used for production of uh, vegetables pretty much all year round. We have a greenhouse that has extended our season to grow a lot of things, even through the winter. We have a high tunnel that that extends our season as well and to well into the fall and then helps us start earlier in the spring. So 
at this point, we probably grow somewhere between somewhere around 70% of our own food, including meat. Most of our meat is chicken. So we raise chickens on our homestead as our primary meat source. We raise chickens. We have about, right now we have around 80 laying hens that we use for the eggs. And then we typically raise either Cornish cross and we have American breast chickens. And we'll raise those typically in batches of about 30. So yeah, just raising everything on organic, non-soy, non-GMO feeds. Uh, raising the animals that way and all of our you, uh, have you thought about having ducks you know to make uh, foie gras or duck yourself yeah we've had a couple of ducks just for fun in the past ducks are a lot of work for us they're messy they're they're difficult to process I do enjoy their eggs their eggs were good but the ducks were really just uh they were more like farm comedians. You know, they were fun to watch. They're, they're hilarious little animals, but they're a lot of work to take care of. Uh, we've also had uh, cattle. We've raised cattle in the past. Uh, we've raised pig, sheep, and goats um, currently, but primarily our, our meat right now that we raise is is the chickens. But we do order grass-fed beef from a couple of companies that supply it to us, but we just choose not to buy anything really from markets and grocery store that are commercially grown. Well, that's good. What have you noticed uh, in regards to your health as you've got more and more away from, you know, traditional food sources, or not traditional, but just mass market food sources? Sure. Well, the biggest thing for me, because I'll be 60 in December, is that for the most part, people that come here and volunteer to do different things or to learn from us on the farm and learn how we do what we do, even some of the younger people in their 20s have a really hard time keeping up uh, physically. It's, uh, you know, sometimes we really have to slow down and, and they're just not able to keep the physical pace that, that we're accustomed to even at our age at nearly 60. That's one thing. We're really, uh, the farm life, we call it Earth's Gem. It keeps us physically fit active you know there's just a lot of a lot of physical work that goes into it that's this is really rewarding and a lot of nights we'll you know my wife will ask well what's for dinner i said well let's go walk around see what we want to pick and, and bring in and cook so yeah it's it's pretty neat but yeah getting away from the the commercial food systems and things where there's so many ingredients and commercial foods that are just not good for people the, all of the process type things we really do try to avoid that as much as possible and i think that's contributed a lot to clarity of thought our ability to uh, continue to work physically and we are very rarely actually sick that's great so in terms of meat are chickens the easiest to raise out of all the fowl and the creatures, do you think, or what? Chickens are very forgiving. They're easy to work with. We have just many different kinds of breeds. We have all different kinds of, of chickens, and they're, uh, so their eggs are all different colors. They're different colors, but the content of the egg is basically the same on all of them. The, the probably the other easy one that we has a little bit of experience with are rabbits. My wife's not a great fan, but both rabbits are also an excellent meat source for a homestead. Oh, what about in terms of uh, fruits and vegetables? Uh, what have you tried, and what's easier for like, beginning homesteaders versus more advanced? people? Well, the, the first thing some people try to do is um, grow too many things or grow things that they don't actually like to eat. So trying to stick with things that your family really enjoys, things that you like to eat, you know, the staples of potatoes and carrots and onions and, and uh, some of the fruits that we have here. Like uh, we actually grow apples here in Texas. We have a few apple trees. We have peaches. We have grapevines. Actually, tomorrow we're planting two lakwa trees, which will be an interesting new addition for us. Yeah, we have a pretty good variety of fruits and vegetables here. We have lots and lots of greens, lots of lettuce, lots of collard greens. We have spinach and arugula. Yes. So we grow a wide variety. Uh, most of them, you know, you just have to pay attention to the season that they're that they should grow in. 
And some varieties are easier to grow in different climates, you know, so we're way down south here in North Texas. So some of the things we may grow here at different times would have a different time period that they would grow further north, for example. Yeah, my daughter grew pumpkins this past year and made a pumpkin cheesecake, which was now maybe you all can grow some pumpkins. Absolutely. Yeah, we've grown some pump. We've grown pumpkins quite a bit in the past. The, the timing of those is interesting sometimes. Sometimes they're they're ready to sown, you know, before Halloween, let's say, before the fall, they're actually finished. Yeah, ours were in, uh, I think, the very beginning of August. They were, like, ready. It was so hot. We had a, yeah. I mean, they were fine, delicious, but we had to pick them way early. Otherwise, they would have burned up. Sure. And then, you know, always, yeah, you mentioned being hot or this year we've had some extreme droughts. Being able to keep things that are drought tolerant and grow well in the heat. Um, even some lettuces, you know, I I did a class a year or so ago from Ray Tyler in Tennessee and learned from him how to grow lettuce in all seasons and we accomplished it. So even on our Texas heat, we've been able to keep lettuce pretty much year round. Well, that's cool. So what percentage of the stuff you grow, you keep for yourself or sell and who do you sell to if anyone? In the past, so we started our, our actual, our business farm in 2017 with the idea that we were going to be a market farm and grow and produce food for, you know, for our community. And and we had some success doing that. The Some of the issues there, the farmer's markets were a ton of work and most of the people that grew it or that actually showed up at farmer's markets weren't actually producing the food. They were the same groceries you'd get at a grocery store. So what we have set up on our barn to door store was where people could order online and then and they come and pick up directly here on the farm. They would pick things up from us. We had a lot of success with that, but at the same time, not enough because we are, you know, four miles from one little town and five from another. And people just didn't want to, you know, it was inconvenient for them to drive out at certain times. What we've done instead, we started this year actually in 2023, is we've changed our direction more of teaching. So we have, we're setting up classes and things where people will, you know, come out for seminars or classes where they learn how to actually produce their own food, no matter what, what the scale, if they're doing it in a backyard or a balcony or even on some acreage, I have my certification in permaculture and soil science, and I'm working right, almost finished now with my soil microscopy class. So yeah, we, we're, we're more gearing this beginning this year. We've geared more towards actually teaching people how to do it themselves, which has worked out really well. Uh, like for example, last weekend we had a class on growing microgreens. We had a good turnout. Actually, some of the students have been sending me their photos of the things that from the class that germinated, they've grown and they're, they're super excited to be able to produce some, some greens for themselves. And, you know, for winter months when, when things are not growing well and, you know, most of our clients and things, they, they tend to be a lot like us if they are beginning to shy away from the commercial systems. We've seen a, just not, not just in our area, but across the country, uh, as Joel Salatin puts it, we're seeing a tsunami of people moving towards modern homesteading, self-sufficiency, living off grid, and those kind of things. Great. Being less and less dependent on systems that are out there. Almost two years ago now, we even took our farm to be solar powered. So we really aren't even dependent on the utilities. We have rain catchments. So we, we capture our own rain, both for ourselves and irrigation. So yeah, trying to be as independent as possible. Before we continue, I've been personally funding the Finding Genius podcast for four and a half years now, which has led to 2,700 plus interviews of clinicians, researchers, scientists, CEOs, and other amazing people who are working to advance science and improve our lives and our world. Even though this podcast gets 100,000 plus downloads a month, we need your help to reach hundreds of thousands more worldwide. Please visit FindingGeniusPodcast.com and click on Support Us. 
We have three levels of membership from $10 to $49 a month, including perks such as the ability to see ahead in our interview calendar and ask questions of upcoming guests, transcripts of podcasts you're interested in, the ability to request specific topics or guests, and more. Visit FindingGeniusPodcast.com and click support us today. Now back to the show. You do, right? Okay. Let's talk about some of that. Um, so the major inputs, I guess, normally would be fertilizer, electricity, maybe diesel, you know, what else? The rate, you know, water. So which ones have you uh, offset? How? Like, tell me a little bit about the rain catchment, for example. What do you capture? How's it impacted you? Well, electricity is the easiest one. We have a, a solar array in our field in the back, and it supplies probably 95% of our electrical uh, power needs. And uh, we have two Tesla battery backups or batteries in the in the garage that they're usually fully charged by noon. And so if there's any power outage or grid outage or anything, our, our lights are always on and, you know, even when our neighbors are in the dark. So that, that's been really good. It was very expensive, I'll admit. So sometimes you have to offset you know, why you want to do something and as opposed to the economic value of it. So there, there's definitely trade-offs there. The, the solar energy is, is very expensive, but to be independent, it's, it's well worth it to us. Rain catchment, we have, um, we have six rain barrels on our house. Uh, they go into 55-gallon barrels, and then we have a pump that we can pump all those barrels out into a holding tank out, out near the, one of the corners of, of our field away from the house. That's connected to our irrigation. Um, we're still connected to city water for showers and that kind of stuff, but you know the the dependence is not really we're not really dependent because if there's something wrong with the water supply or a problem with it, we have our own filter set up where we can easily use the rainwater in any of our systems to, to both for drinking and everything else. So, so the rainwater catching and the solar save you money, or is it uh, even in terms of the effort? The return on investment on the solar is going to take a few more years, probably about a 10, 10 or 12 more years for us to recoup what the cost was there. But the cost really wasn't important. It was more important for our lights to be on and for our freezers to be operational and, and that sort of thing. That's more important to us as, as modern homesteaders. The rainwater is awesome. It really, it takes a quarter of an inch of rain to completely fill our system. So it doesn't like all lot of rain at all and you know most of the year we're generating enough electricity for example to most of our power gets sent back to the grid so that offsets you know the cost when there may be a few days or something where our connection to the grid is actually supplying us a little power you know for a few really stormy or cloudy days but the the sunny days that it's generating more than offset that most of the time we end up with an electric bill that's negative or a few times we get an electric bill, it may be like 20 bucks or something silly. Okay. What about fertilizer, you know, the other inputs that are needed? Sure. The only thing we have that's diesel that requires fuel is our tractor. And it's uh, five gallons fills fills our little Yanmar T2. Can't talk. Yanmar T235 tractor. It's perfect for our five-acre farm. And the five gallons of diesel in that usually last us about two months so that's pretty good. It's very fuel efficient. And we use the thing every day, you know, when we haul feed and water and things out to the, to our uh, mobile pasture uh, chickens, um, you know, we haul water out to them and they're feeding grain and stuff daily. Um, so the tractor comes in very handy. Yeah. So um, as far as fertilizers and inputs like that, we really don't use much of anything as far as fertilizer goes. As permaculture uh, specialists, what we try to do is mimic nature, you know, like it would would uh, in a forest floor, for example. So we compost everything that can be composted. We regen, we 
Through that, we regenerate soil and add those things back into the soil. And those are our fertilizers. Occasionally, we might buy something like a fish emulsion or something like that for a boost. But most of the time, we're using regenerative soil practices that keep our soils healthy and alive. We even do soil testing for for other people and, and their and their gardens. I have a little lab set up here in my office with a microscope so I can identify and tell them about the soil life and the activity in their soil. And then we'll do the NPK and pH analysis for them as well about what's actually available to their plants and make recommendations to them. So we, we use those same practices for ourselves. As I mentioned, you know, the commercial food systems and most of the foods that people buy in grocery stores, those soils are so depleted of nutrients that they're not what they, what they were you know, 40 or 50 years ago, the nutrition and the plants that we grow for ourselves here are superior in nutrition, uh, just based on the based on the natural use of regenerative soil and permaculture principles. Well, again, you know, you mentioned earlier on that you're able to, you have more stamina, you know, you and your wife and let's say 20 year olds, which is great. Amazing. What else have you noticed, you know, now that you've converted most of your diet to uh, eating your own fresh food? I don't crave the junk food. I don't crave hamburgers from Whataburger. I don't, you know, I just, it probably took a, a year or two before that was the case, but I really avoid eating out. I avoid eating at fast food places. They don't have anything to offer anymore. So that that's one thing. I think a lot of those those type things, you know, where, where people are so really addicted to eating out and not cooking it at home and preserving their own food. You know, a lot of the things we grow, we can preserve or freeze dry. We have a freeze dryer, so we freeze dry a lot of things for for use um, over the winter months and emergency use. But yeah, so that's probably one of the biggest things is, you know, people are sick so often. And a lot of that is really and truly based on their diet from eating out and fast food and commercial foods. So you know, my wife and I rarely are ill, and I think that's largely because of, you know, the nutrition of this food that we eat directly from the farm. We need milk or something like that. We have a farm that we'll go and visit that has raw milk in East Texas. Um, we'll make our own yogurt from that, occasionally cheese and stuff like that. But, you know, if, if we don't make it or grow it here, we try to find somebody that has a product that meets our needs that's growing on their own place. And I, I think those are huge contributors to our longevity and health. How much time does all this take, you know, to do all the growing, the cooking, prep, and all the other stuff versus, uh, you know, again, going to Whataburger or just eating whatever? Well, it does take more time. It is all on its own. It, it's a full-time job by itself. It is a lifestyle, a lifestyle-style change that people have, you know, if they want to live this, they just have to embrace that. There are a lot of people that live this modern homesteading life that still have full-time jobs and they go to work and they do this to the degree that they can, you know, working evenings, weekends on on that kind of thing. In fact, I, I still work. I have a home inspection business where I do home inspections for real estate. I also teach other people how to become home inspectors. So I'm usually gone four days at a time. And while I'm gone, the wife is taking care of everything that she can do here. But every other minute is spent, you know, in the pursuit of the modern homesteading lifestyle, growing our own food and creating our own medicines and, and storing food for difficult times or for the winter. So it is pretty full-time. The, the, some of the benefits though, you know, it is a lot of work, but at the same time, my wife and I often cook together. So we spend time doing that. Really don't watch any television. Uh, we, we, when we want entertainment or, you know, we want to do something like that, we'll, we'll watch something that's educational, maybe a documentary or something like that. Or um, we have a whole host of YouTube channels that, that we'll watch. So just getting away from what might be considered norm for society. You know, you're nine to five, come home, pick something up to eat for dinner on the way home, 
and you know eat when you get there and then sit around and watch tv well you know that that's a pretty unhealthy lifestyle yeah. Um, overall. So those are the kind of things that we're, we've learned to move away from. Even when we are ill, we've also learned uh, quite a bit about making our own medicines. Um, so if we have some have an infection or some kind of illness going on, we have a lot of herbal remedies and things that we can use here for, for treating ourselves before having to go to a doctor. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. What, what's your uh, future plans? You know, that over the next couple of years, how are you going to expand, top change? What do you want to do? Some of the things that we're doing in the future, I have a little whiteboard here at my in my office on my desk, and I'm always writing stuff on it. But different ideas about the, some of the, the homesteading skills that we've learned and feel like we know pretty well. We are developing classes to teach people how to do some of those things. Anything from from backyard chickens to, like I said, we we did a microgreens class weekend uh, last weekend. Being able to uh, do composting, cooking with sun ovens, you know, seed starting, doing vermicompost. Um, you know, creating all kinds of soil, your regenerative soil type stuff, dried herbs, soil testing, plant starts for people. We, we do some plant starts for people that, that uh, don't have the time to start with fatigue. We'll do that for them to give them a good start. We raise chickens to, for sale to, to people that, that, that need or want them. They don't have time to raise them as chicks. Um, by the time they get them, they're out of that chick stage, which is where most of the work is. Typically sell them as pullets which is our hens that are just, they're no longer chicks. They're, they may be a, a few weeks from beginning to actually lay eggs. Oh, wow. Okay. A lot of different directions you're going. Yeah. Just all of these general homesteading skills or regenerative life skills that we're developing classes around. Uh, what do you recommend for people just starting out that have never? Just starting out. Keep it simple. You know, just keep things simple. Maybe grow up, if you haven't done any of this before, maybe... Grow a little bit of lettuce or something in, in a container, you know, keep it super simple so that you don't burn yourself out. Keep things eat, you know, keep them easy and easy to maintain with whatever's going on in your lifetime and expand, you know, keep all these things in mind. If that's the direction you want to go and you're enjoying it and you're seeing the benefit to your lifestyle from it, then, you know, you can increase those things a little bit over time. Just baby steps, just take those baby steps, start small. Okay. Makes sense. All right. Well, very good. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Uh, where can people find out more about Savvy Organic? You know, what's the YouTube channel? Where else can they go? You can search on, on YouTube for Savvy, S-A-V-V-Y, Organics Farm. Find our YouTube channel there. You can find us on our website, SavvyOrganicsFarm.com. There's links to our stores from both of those and some of our episode show notes. So we're pretty easy to find online. All right. Excellent. It's been a good call. And uh, thank you so much for coming on board. I appreciate it, David. Thank you. Hey, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.